there's a breakthrough waiting for you when you're aware that you are the breakthrough that you've been waiting for. And a lot can change when you have that awareness. That's Sundance Robson, and this is episode 262 of In The Moment with me, Alex Manzi. I'm a coach, and this podcast is all about self-development and helping you to live a happier and more fulfilling life. So on this week's episode, I am joined by Sundance Robson, who is a men's coach and ceremonial leader, as well as being a really good friend of mine. And me and Sundance first connected when he joined the immersion retreat that went on back in November. Uh, He was part of the group of guys that was on the retreat. And we really got on. We had some really interesting conversations and I was really drawn into Sundance's aura. Um, He's someone who's been for a lot in his life from, you know, battles of addiction and, you know, um, systemic issues around, you know, the culture background that he comes from, which is the indigenous culture in Canada. And there's there's a lot to his story and a lot of depth. But the thing that that really um, stood out for me when it with Sundance was just the way he was as a human it's like yeah he had all of these stories and all of this stuff that's happened to him but it was like he'd he was not phased by it anymore and um i was thinking about him a few months ago and and i was really cool to just like reach out to him and 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 have conversations and invite him onto the podcast just to share some of his journey because for me it was really inspiring hearing it in person so during this conversation we spoke about doing the work is really about removing stuff how labels don't need to define you and the biggest traditional values that you should live by. So the aim of this podcast is to inspire. So if you like what you hear in this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and spread the love today. But right now, let's jump straight in and hear from Sundance. Yeah, Sundance, my man, what's going on? Like, welcome to the podcast. Alex, I'm, I'm pumped up to be here, man. This is, uh, this is a good feeling. It's been a while since I've seen you, um, but I, I really felt a, a genuine connection with you when we had met at the immersion when I was over in Mayfield, England. And uh, I'm really looking forward to connecting with you again, man. Yeah, likewise. I think we had a really good chat before the immersion, didn't we? Like, I think a week or so before, because you'd um, you'd actually joined the immersion quite late, hadn't you? And then obviously while we were there, we had a week to kind of get to know each other a lot better. And we went on like a couple of drives into the town and stuff to get food. And we had some really, really good, fun conversations. And I was actually listening to, I think I messaged you recently. I was listening to something the other day. And there was a guy on on this podcast, I can't remember what it was now, but he just reminded me of you so much of like his energy and his aura. And I was like, do you know what? Oh, I love that. I want to catch up with Sundance. And then I was like, oh, do you know what? I want to get Sundance on the podcast, like, because we'll have a sick chat. And here we are living the dream. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm I'm really glad that you, you spoke to that. Um, I feel the exact same way. And uh, I don't know, for me, these conversations are like... Uh, it's kind of like picking up a hitchhiker in Canada. You don't really pick up hitchhikers too much anymore, but they're still out there. You just don't ever know what you're going to get. Um, you don't ever know where the conversation's going to go, but I know that, uh, you have conversations with people, uh, from around the world about mental health. And, um, so for me, that's uh, definitely an area of interest because I certainly didn't start out here. (laughs) <laughs> well why don't we why don't we get into it like sh- share a little bit of your your story and and you know some of the challenges and, and and things that you've really overcome you know in in your life and in you know more specifically in recent years as well my name's Sundance Robson I was born um my father was a, a residential school survivor and um for people that aren't aware of what a residential school survivor is or a child that went to residential school is the, the Canadian government, um, along with a few churches, set up a 
uh, a boarding school system where uh, the indigenous children were uh, forcibly removed from their homes and uh, an education was was forced on them. Um, And they were taken from the fabric of their community and put in these schools. And the schools were very inhospitable places, to put it lightly. Um, They became places of uh, abuse. And um, my father went through many abuses, um, albeit mental, emotional, physical, sexual. And um, that happened in in the very infancy of his of his childhood and then grew up in residential schools uh, until eventually he ran away and um he never really learned the life skills about relationships and that's that's really you know one of the things that i've really become aware of over the last couple of years of my life i'm 42 now and um, relationships were, for me, very horrifying, <laughs> to put it lightly. Like, I, I really would run from anything that would come up in relationships because of what my dad put us through as a family. And I never really understood that relationships are like a healing journey in themselves. You know, there's, there's, there's a certain level of commitment that comes to being involved in a relationship. Even us doing this, you know, there's, there's an aspect of relationship that's involved, you know, and, and, and we've sat down and we've spent time together, you know, and, and we met through, um, my coach and coach Jane and, uh, at an immersion. And, and that was a place where we, we bared our souls you know, but, but for me, you know, that, that's been a very long road to get to that point. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to take a long time to get there. I think that's, that's something that's become, you know, obvious to me over the years. Um, it takes as long as it's going to take for me to surrender. That's how long it's going to take. Um, and in, in the case of my father and growing up, you know, he ended up in, in the streets of Vancouver and along came my mom, sort of oblivious to, to his reality. And um, they got pregnant. And the situation in Vancouver just was not a healthy situation at all. And uh, my mom made the call to move back to Regina where uh, her family was, was rooted. And, um, and so they came back shortly after I was born um, about six months after that and started their life. You know, a lot of, if you don't do the work and you just take away the drugs and the alcohol, um, it's only a matter of time before, uh, the symptoms of addiction, the symptoms of, of what you may call trauma, uh, that unhealed part of ourselves or the, the part that you haven't identified as, as, as perfect inside of you starts showing up and it it shows up sometimes incrementally and other times like a bloody mess. And, um, in the case of my father, you know, for me, it was, 
it was, it was incrementally, you know, and, and it's also been the case for me and, and, and how I've sort of awoken to understanding, um, of my own divinity, you know, and if people are aware of the three principles, there's a part, the part of that, as I've sort of awoken to the principles or as I've woken, um, to spirit and myself and my own understanding, it was the same way that my father slowly, uh, the violence and the, and, um, the mess started to kind of trickle in. The very first part of my childhood was actually pretty fantastic up until the point that, that, um, I was seven and a half, eight years old, had a huge tree in the backyard. Um, the sandbox was like the size of the backyard, man. It, it, it was a huge sandbox. All the kids would come over and play. Um, and I just love climbing that tree in the backyard. And, um, I remember one day when I was walking home, uh, it was, it was from grade one. And I remember standing between the school and my backyard. There was a path between the school and my backyard. I remember looking up at the sun and I remember looking up at the tree and I remember just sort of like scanning my eyes across the whole neighborhood. And I remember thinking in a moment, what is all this? It's, it seemed like it, 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 it seemed like there was like, I, I had a moment there as a child where it was like, I actually inquired into the nature of my reality, you know, and, and I wouldn't remember that moment to many, many years later uh, when I was sitting in a, a treatment center. And, uh, so what ended up happening shortly after that was um, my father and my, my my mom ended up getting a divorce. And one day my mom came home and my dad wouldn't let her into the house. And um, he said that he's he's got the kids and, and that she can take a hike and, and try to figure it out. Um, now, I didn't, I didn't remember any of this stuff. In fact, I had a lot of memory loss as a child. And... I didn't remember it at all until I was 26 years old, sitting in a drug treatment center in rehabilitation. And I had just gone through uh, writing a list of all the things that I thought I was powerless over. It was an assignment that they had given me to, to do. And I was being pretty passive for the whole process of drug treatment up until that moment. And when I started writing down all of the things that I was powerless over, when I came to the end of this list, which was a couple of pages long, I just sort of sat in this blank space and it was silent. And it, it was not like a silence that I had ever felt before. Before, silences seemed very terminal and very uh, difficult. This silence was different. And, and, and now what I understand that silence to be is like a meditative silence, you know? And then all of a sudden, an image arose out of that silence. And it was a picture of a kid sitting on a mattress. And I was like looking down on this kid. And then I got this really strange feeling. And I realized, wait a second, that kid is me. And... And then all of a sudden, I started getting all of these images that were flashing in my head. And I realized 
that it was pornography. And my father was brainwashing me to porn. He was brainwashing me to porn because he was using that as a tactic to try and convince me that this was why my mom wasn't coming to get me and that this is why my mom wasn't coming home because this is what she was doing. So I didn't remember that as a kid. But I, as I sort of recalled that in treatment, then I sort of, I kind of came back to this blank space and, and, and just was like, what the hell? Like that actually happened, you know? And then all of a sudden I was, I was taken back into it and I got another image and, and I, I could just remembered pounding on this door and it was, there were these, there were there were guys pounding on the end of the door, pounding on the other side of the door. My father went running to the other side of the living room. He got off the couch and I remember him just sort of screaming. And I got up and I ran to the bathroom and uh, I tried to, I tried to get out the window in the bathroom and I couldn't, I was, I was just too little. The bath, the bathroom window was way up high. And, um, and so I couldn't climb out. And I, I wanted to climb out because I wanted to run to the neighbor's place. And in that moment, um, I remember hearing the guys and the, the glug, 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 glug of this old car. And I remember hearing, open the door, Dennis. You know, we don't want you. We only, we only want you. We don't want the kids. And um, I heard another guy say, let's just go. You know, there's kids in the house. And, and I think gangsters have their own rules too, you know, on the street. And that's just leave the kids alone. You know, we can come back and get them at another time. And, uh, and so they left. And when I was pulled out of that memory and treatment, that was when I walked out into the, to the courtyard of the treatment center. And I saw this rose or this, 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 this like yellow flower. It was just so beautiful. It was so bright. And when, when, the brightness of this flower hit me. I, I looked up at the sun and I was instantly taken back to that moment when I was a child walking on that path. And I inquired into like, what is all this? In that moment, I was taken back to that moment. And I thought, man, my God, this whole time I've been looking down, you know? And that was really, I think, one of the, the first sort of moments after all of the, the hardships I felt like I'd been dealt in my life and all the, the, the victim sediment that I experienced in my life as a child and as a teenager. That was the moment where I started to see things from a different perspective. Mm. It's powerful, isn't it? How like... Well, it's seemingly a, a a nothing moment, right? Spotting spotting a beautiful flower, how something like that can just, like you said, change change your entire perspective and 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 spark. I don't know if if I'd say spark something new in you, but like maybe just spark a different possibility is probably the best way to put it. So what what's like? what shifted for you like from from that moment you know having having gone through all of this you know past experience having 
I guess in some way relived it through, you know, the the memories of it in the treatment center, like, and then arriving at that moment, like, what what shifted for you then? Like, what was the new perspective? You know, it's 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 really interesting that you you asked that, Alex, because really, like, that was that was the beginning of who I am today in a lot of ways. You know, um, when all of that came to my awareness. And I went into group and I shared that with my group the next, um, the next day after I had processed all of it, I didn't really feel like I had been given a gift having that come to my attention. Right. Because now that I'm aware of it, that's really all that I am. I'm just aware of it now. So in some ways I did, I wasn't even sure if I was better off knowing or if I was better off not knowing, but became pretty clear to me why I had the impulses that I did and why my body responded the way it did to certain things and the way it didn't want to respond to other things. And, um, I was, I was like literally left with trying to understand how to function in, in my life, you know, and, and the work that was going to now become falling in and out of addiction. You know, because that's, that's what, that's what happened was, you know, I got out of treatment and, um, about 90 days later, I ended up, uh, you know, falling off the horse and, and, and falling deep back into drugs. And, and I, and I wobbled back and forth between being clean and off of drugs. You know, I'm not like, I'm talking about cocaine and, 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 and amphetamines and things like that, you know, um. I, I fell in and out of that life for another six years, you know, trying to come to terms with, with who I am. And, um, you know, and, and my father ended up passing away when I was 19. So he passed away uh, before I even went into treatment. So on top of all of this, like I, I didn't have, I didn't have him to talk to about this. And I, and I, I didn't know of a way that I could forgive him and, and find forgiveness in myself. And, the one thing I saw this all show up in was my relationships. It showed up in my relationships in every, as soon as I had someone in front of me, it was like I was sitting in front of a mirror and all I could do was show them my disdain, you know, and, um, or my happiness. But for me, it's, it's, (laughs) you know, up until just the last couple of years, man, it's been pretty dark. You know, it's, it's been, it's been a lot more dark than it has been bright. And just in the last couple of years, um, when I, when I started, you know, discovering ceremony and when I uh, came across uh, the principles, I started to awake to something different. And, and I started seeing that I, I really was not my thinking and that there was a, 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 a deeper set of belief systems in my thinking and that my body was largely responding to that thinking and what I thought about that, you know? And, uh, incrementally, um, just like it all came in incrementally in a negative way, it started to all lift incrementally in a really sort of what I feel is a, is a positive way. And my energy started to shift and my, my being started to shift and my understanding started to shift. And really at the forefront of that shift was the desire 
to shift. Mm. Can you say that again? I think that's powerful. I can't remember what I was what I said, but what <laughs> what, what I think I said was what I think I said was what was at the very beginning of that shift or what was in the the foresight of that shift was the desire for shift, you know, because um, I heard that if I had the desire, that would actually be enough. The desire would be enough for me to, to experience a change in my life. And I had just enough desire to do that. Or I had just enough surrender to do that. You know, I had just enough surrender to sit down in front of a drug counselor. Or I had just enough surrender to sit down with my coach, Ann Kush, and say, I'm going to come to this men's immersion and see what it's all about. I had just enough surrender to get there. And when I got there, I left it up to other people. You know, I, I got to surrender to their process. You know, and I think that that to me has been a, has been a path. The path has been surrender, you know? Um, and ultimately what path I thought was a very long thing that would never end became something that happens like instantly, man. You know, it, it, it happens as quickly as I want to surrender. Mm, yeah. I think the, the surrendering piece is, it's so powerful because it's like, it comes with a with acceptance right and it's like what i love about the kind of work that that, that we do or the, the the world that we operate in you know the understanding of the free principles or you know inside out whatever you want to call it it's 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 a subtractive process it's not so much uh an, an additive i don't know if that's the right word but it's not an additive process but it's like do this, do this, do this, do, and it's like, it, it, it makes that road to, you know, whether you want to call it recovery or healing or, you know, whatever creation, like it, it makes it feel like it's a, an ongoing process. Like you said, like there's all of this stuff that needs to, to get done and done and done and it, it can weigh heavy. And I think what I love about the work that, that we're doing and the direction that we're looking in is like, it's not about that. It's about surrendering to, the understanding that you're not what you think you are <laughs> you know and I think you know it sounds like a very cute thing that people say and like you see that you see the quotes on Instagram and Facebook or whatever all the time like you are not your thoughts but it's like actually understanding the uh the fundamental um principles behind what that actually means which is that we use our gift of thought to perceive our reality, to add meaning to experience, to add meaning to events, to add meaning to feelings, to add meaning to relationships. We use our gift of thought all the time to create the experience that we see in front of us. And when you surrender to the fact that that's what we're doing all the time, you really understand like, ah, well, if it's just my thought that's making me feel this or, or my thought that's creating this experience for me then who who am i really behind the thought and that's where it, and that's where it gets interesting because that's when you start to lean into like you, you mentioned the word before like a divinity or spirit or you know but there's there's hundreds of terms for it right energy god universe whatever you know whatever but it's like we start to see like actually that's that's at our center 
that's that's at our that's the essence of our core and everything else comes out of that via you know the gift of thought which allows us to to perceive any experience and i don't know i think i think it's it's powerful and it's like you said you know that a lot changed for you um you said quite quickly in in the space of a couple of years so what, what what's been the the kind of noticeable difference in your life like having that 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 surrender i don't know, settle in i guess is probably the best way to put it one thing that i started doing like when i i noticed the biggest shifts were two was like first of all just like being easy on myself like the fact that i'm feeling something the fact that I'm having an experience, if my partner does something or if there's someone in my life that does something or if there's a situation that's occurring in my life and I really start having an experience and start getting drawn into the emotional aspect of it, I'm easy on myself about that. And that's taken almost, uh, like, I feel like, the most significant sort of insight that I've I've had around the mind happened in, in 2017. So it's really been like between now and, and then that really I I started to become easier on myself, right? And so like when I say I've spent most of my life in the dark about this, it's it's true, you know. And but I'm I'm really grateful for the the what's occurred in this in this period of time, you know, uh, linearly speaking because there's been a ton of grace in that. The other, the other piece that has been crucial for my development is when I wake up in the morning, I have my own time to myself. And I remember talking to this doctor. I ran into this doctor one day at a, at a service. And he says, and how is your walk going? Meaning like, how is your journey going? You know? And uh, he was a he was a doctor from um, Zambia, in Africa. And uh, I said, "Well, you know, it's been going okay, you know." And he could kind of he could see that, you know, I was I was obviously struggling with some stuff, right? I wasn't too sure of who I was. And he says, "You have to contend every single day, you know, every single day you have to contend for who you are." And I really, I really heard him say that. And at the same time, I didn't do it. Now I take that seriously. I wake up in the morning and I write about who I am and who I want to be and how I want to show up. I got, I got this book. It's just a notebook. And everywhere I, thought, I go, I thought it was going to be like a really special. I was getting ready to yeah, lean yeah, in and yeah, have, yeah, a, yeah. have a proper look at it. But all it is, all it is, is you know, it's just my stuff, man. Yeah. I take this book with me everywhere I go. I take it in the van with me. I take it to ceremonies with me. Um, I'm, 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 it's in the booth with me. You know, like, like we, you just mentioned when you were sharing about personality man it, it seems like my personality is pretty malleable depending on what situation i'm in you know personality in a human being doesn't really seem fixed because 20 years ago when i was in bands i wanted to be a rock star and i wanted to smoke and i wanted to drink and i wanted to do all that shit 
you know, I have no interest in that today. Those are not my pursuits. You know, my, my, my pursuits are, are forming healthy relationships and understanding that um, I am creation and that I create, you know, and, and, and what I'm thinking now and what you're thinking now is what we are creating, you know, and for me like that, if I ever was to have a fixed address, that's what it would be. It, was, it would be that it's it's always sort of in transit in some ways, you know. I love that the 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 personality not being fixed is. It's been a real big game changer for me as well. I remember when like I was on, my journey of or starting out on my journey of self discovery. You know, whoever whoever the self is that I was trying to discover, right? And um, it was like all of a sudden it was like oh. I don't I don't have to be this kind of person or I don't have to be like that. I don't have to, you know, have these traits. The the traits that I've made up for myself, which I now kind of believe in and have taken on board for myself and now think that they're fixed. But I made them up in the first place. So if I made them up, then I can surely I can change them. <laughs> and it was like <laughs> it was like a real wake up moment of like, wow, like you said, personality is a lot more, you know, uh, pliable than than what it seems it's, it, or malleable is the word you use right it's like we see it as being this like rigid like rock that is fixed to us because actually we, when we start to see it, it's more like play-doh and it can be more stretched and fitted to how we want we can we can create who we're being in any moment and I, I love the the idea of your notepad there like I was at the um Steve Hardison ultimate experience London uh, last weekend and the whole day was about creation, you know, who, who do you want to be? Who do you, who do you want to uh, choose to be in this world in any given moment? You know, if you're up against something tough, who do you want to be? Do you want to be someone who sits and, and has a terrible experience of it? Or do you want to be someone who, who creates a, an experience that maybe creates a different outcome? Or, you know, if you're in a relationship, who do you want to be to, 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 create yourself and and that relationship into something that you want you know because again we enter into relationships with people both personal or romantic or, or whatever like work or whatever it may be like it's all a choice we're not we're not <laughs> we're not fixed to those relationships the rest of our lives we're not bound to them for the rest of our lives so we we really have a choice in like how we want to create those relationships and, and how we want to create ourselves in those relationships and that that to me is really powerful because it, it, it can feel at times like that we're stuck or we're fixed with certain aspects of our lives. But it's like when we start to see it, it's like a lot more malleable, a lot more pliable than what we think. Like things change, man. It's like I was <laughs> I went to watch the Doctor Strange movie. No spoilers. I went to watch the Doctor Strange movie <laughs> last night. Is that the one with Spider-Man in it too? No, it's the, the new one that came oh, okay, out okay. Uh, yeah, this yeah. weekend. And the, the reason I'm bringing it up is because like Doctor Strange's whole thing is like he can he can play with reality. He can like open portals. He can like change. He can go like open new dimensions, and and he he can like shape those dimensions however he wants them to be shaped, so that the reality that he's seeing is very different to the one that's being perceived by everyone else. And I think that's that's amazing because like that that's the power of creation that we have with our mind. 
if you think about it, we can create and 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 uh, and experience reality however we want. Mm-hmm. We have the freedom of choice and the free will to do so. And, you know, and even when it doesn't feel like we do, we still do. It's just a lot of people don't realize that's the choice we have. And and I think that's powerful. Like I was watching the film and I was taking so much from it. Like wow, like imagine like this. Okay, it's a movie and it's it's fictional and whatever. But like if we actually take this as a learning for ourselves and and the way that we can use our our gift of thought and our brain to create the reality, create the relationships that we want, create the experience we have of work, create the experience that we have of our day-to-day life, literally create ourselves and our personality every morning. Like, like sounds like what you do with your notepad. That's so powerful, man. So powerful. I saw that, uh, when I first, you know, came out of treatment and I started going to, to meetings in 12 step groups, I would, I would introduce myself as an addict. Okay. So I would also introduce myself as an alcoholic, you know, and that was like a, that's a really powerful declaration to, to say that that's what you are. And when I, when I would announce myself as that at a meeting, I didn't realize when I was doing that, that was also looking around the room to everything that people were experiencing and getting caught up in their thoughts and also making that my declaration too. It happened in two ways. It happened one way where I, I, there were, there were traits and habits that people were showing up over and over and over again, saying, you know, I, I keep doing it over and over again. That's also a declaration, Mm. you know, and I'm, and I, I didn't see, I I got caught in that for a long time, still thinking that I am what that is. You know, I am addiction. I am always failing. You know, this is impossible. How am I supposed to stay clean for a year? It just starts with today. Today is, today is more than enough responsibility. I don't need to look at the whole year now and over time my declaration to who i am being changed it shift it shifted because i saw that now when i go to when i go to a meeting and i still go to meetings from time to time when i say i'm an addict there's not that i'm staying that in respect for the program there's a lot of things that i've been given through that reality you know is that i'm awareness (laughs) right i'm willingness I'm willingness. I'm willing, you know, like that, that's, if, if you, if anybody listening to this took something that they had in their life and just applied, I am willingness to it. I wonder if there would be, or if you would experience a shift or I am surrendering. I am surrendering. Even even just that declaration and that statement, I can feel a shift. Not everybody can feel that, but I I sense it, you know, in, in my own declaration to who I am being in a moment, you know. And so when I when I run into conflict in my life that I that I perceive as conflict, or if I that I perceive as something that's like, I don't like the way this feels, I focus in on. I'm aware of that. I am aware of that. And I surrender to that. 
I am surrender, you know? And, and just as quickly as I declare that, it can be also very fleeting. You know, it can also be, it can also run away very quickly, it feels like, but I'm still connected. I'm as connected as I want to be. Again, that is my declaration, you know? Um, and, and really, I feel that when we're, we're talking about this and, and when we're talking about mental health, you know, um, I love doing this because I love the idea that there's somebody listening to this right now that hasn't ever heard anything like this before. And that there are people also that are listening to this that want to hear more of this. I, I come from both camps. There's a, there's a breakthrough waiting for you, you know, when you're aware that you are the breakthrough that you've been waiting for. And uh, a lot can change when you have that awareness. It's a beautiful thing because I... There was time, you know, I was 11 and a half years old sitting in front of a child psychologist, suicidal. And in the indigenous community in Canada, uh, on some of the reserves, uh, there is, there is a crisis of suicide with children, you know, and, uh, the, the parents that were raised in the residential schools that I was talking about earlier on were not raised with parents. They were raised through nuns and priests of that era and of officials of that era. And they weren't, they weren't shown through community how to raise their children. And so when it was time for them to raise the children that they had as residential school survivors, the ones that made it out, there weren't the, the life skills weren't intact. And so then we have the passing on of that trauma and that frustration and that that unseen part of that unseen part of you and i was the first uh, generation of kids uh, to the best of my knowledge that did not have to go to residential school that were not taken from their homes and their their families uh for 10 months to 10 to 11 months of the year and and subject to that treatment but i was raised by somebody that was and and so that that became my, my process and, and uh, the way that I would come to understand life for the first part. And, and now I also understand that um, there's a lot of labels that I can, and diagnoses that I can, I can come across. If I want to seek out a diagnosis, I'm sure I could find one right after this uh, podcast, you know, with anyone. Um, I know that, that, there's within all those labels of I am an addict, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an intergenerational trauma survivor, that, uh, that I am also a divine being of, of creation and that, uh, that I create what I am. And I only, uh, I only give myself the label that I choose to give myself and, and whatever anybody wants to label me is, is a label that they're giving themselves. So I love that. I love that. I think, it, I think it's so powerful because you said it, it it makes us see that everything can be so much more pliable than what we think like that you know what you said there about going into you know meetings and being like i'm an addict i'm an alcoholic it's like just 
reaffirming that declaration of who you are to yourself and then believing it and then you know seeing yourself in the other people and then believing it further and creating that further whereas like when you take a moment to step outside of that and go actually what do I want to create myself as and you know for me it was like I'm depressed I'm I have anxiety like I lived my life through those uh, labels in a way for such a long period of time a ridiculously long period of time like I think I've worked out to be like eight or nine years of my life in my teens and 20s which is supposed to be like you know the the best the best time of your life the you know your youth and your the 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 I was miserable because I was I was living in some way through these labels and and it, it it's very um debilitating is that the word i'm looking for i don't know if that's the right word very debilitating yeah, yeah it, it shuts you down it shuts yeah. you down because it, it, it limits you right it creates limitation as to to how you're experiencing and i have a, i have a bit of a you know issue with the way that that labels are thrown around so easily these days you know be it anxiety or adhd or you know addict or you know whatever it is there's a lot of them that are thrown around quite willy-nilly and then people start to pigeonhole themselves into what that means and 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 creating that that meaning for themselves and they start to live their life within those you know narrow lines in a way but so actually if we can step outside of that like we can create ourselves into anything like you said i could probably go to speak to a um some some expert somewhere and they probably give me a label of i don't know adhd or you know something and it's like but yeah i might have traits and that might be how my brain works it might be the the, the modality in which my physical brain operates does that mean that has to be my my lived experience all the time i don't know probably not man like because we can create it however we want that like, we won't be both of us wouldn't be sat here having this conversation right now if that wasn't true, <laughs> you know. Hundred percent. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a physician and uh, I'm not a doctor, but uh, I have had an experience uh, as being a kid and an adult that has been diagnosed, you know, as having ADHD and as having dyslexia, and uh, you know, my question is, where's dyslexia and ADD right now? You know, where, where is it in this conversation exactly? And um, as a kid, you know, being diagnosed with ADD and, or, or ADHD and dyslexia, um, we make a decision to live into that diagnosis. I, I know I did. You know, I need tutor. I don't want to say I need to be tutored. I can't do it. I got to get a tutor. That's how I, that's how I'll do it. But there's no, there's nothing wrong with getting a tutor. There's nothing wrong with understanding that, that you learn differently. Yeah. It's just since I've left my job and gone into my professional practice as a coach and a ceremonial facilitator, I've been yet to understand where exactly ADHD, you know, ADD and dyslexia is gone because <laughs> it doesn't seem very present, you know? And, uh, <sighs> you know, there's, there's a very interesting thing, you know, with labels, um, kind of growing up in a, I think a pseudo Christian, um, sort of the Western ideology, you know, I, I still identify with my creator and my higher power, 
um, as Christ. It's just not the way that it's been told to me in, in, in certain circumstances. And, um, I grew up knowing that is one way through an institution and in, in a church and that it had to be that way. And if it wasn't that way, um, I'm, I'm damned in, in certain ways. And I remember the very first time that I went to a ceremonial sweat lodge with my culture, you know, and I remember sitting in the sweat lodge and going in and it's like going into a, an igloo with a bunch of like hides and, and skins thrown over top of it. And there's these branches that make this dome, you know, and so they covered up and then there's a tent flap and all, all the guys pile into the sweat lodge. And when they close the flap on behind you, it's pitch black and you can't see anything. And they bring, they bring these hot rocks in on a pitchfork. And when the elder starts pouring water on the rocks, they start steaming up and it fills the sweat full of this intense steam. And then everybody starts singing traditional songs, eh? And, uh, and you're just taken right back into this, this timeless period of, of the ancient. And even if you don't understand it, you can feel the understanding. And you know that you're in a sacred space. And I remember hearing the elders start to pray. And he says, the grandfathers have something that they want to say. And I remember looking at, I remember thinking, I wasn't looking because it was pitch black, but I remember thinking in my head, man, this guy's talking to God. This guy's talking to a, a spirit. This guy's talking to a higher power. This guy's talking to the infinite. This guy's talking to source. The same way that that guy was in a pulpit. The same way that that guy was at the front of a church. I felt the message that the guy was speaking. I felt that message in my heart in an institution. And I also felt this message sitting out here in the middle of the prairies in a sweat lodge. I felt that same word come in to my heart and in my soul. And I really realized that in that moment where it was like, there's going to be a lot of people in my life that are going to try to tell me what the truth is. I'm going to have to discern that on my own. Because ultimately I'm responsible for that. And if I'm in conscious contact with my creator, and I believe that that's between me and my creator. That's not between me and you. And so that's where I think the intimacy of the divine and, and the intimacy, because my, my being and, and who I am at the depth of my soul is there too. 
I'm bullshitting myself if I think that it's something else, you know? And, and for me, that's been a, it's been a long, it has been what felt like a long walk and a crawl at times to come to this understanding of, of that from living in, in Canada and not having that. That's not what was broadcasted to me was broadcasted to me was something totally different and it was it was a walk of discovery and a walk of failure and a walk of success and now i see that it's just success you know it's a it's a progressive realization to a worthy ideal you know and and uh as as we progress through this life um i'm sure to stay close to what is intimately divine in myself and have more conversations like the one I'm having with you right now, that this conversation that I'm having with you right now carries off into the conversation that I have with my producer, Dave, who's, who's in the studio, that it carries on to my partner that I'm going to see a little bit later, that it carries on to another meeting that we have this afternoon, that this part of me shows up everywhere, man. This, this part of me does not need to be ashamed. This part of me is blessed, you know? And so that's, that's the mental wellness that I take care of. Or I could, I could go through my whole life and say, well, this part of me is abused and this part of me is messed up and this part of me is never going to heal and it's just like that. You don't know what I've been through. How are you going to tell me how to feel? Are you going to tell me how to fix my life? And that's, that's, that's how I live most of my life, right? I would live most of my life like that. But I wanted a reason to leave. I wanted a reason to leave. I wanted an excuse. I wanted to hold on to the victim that still was in me. So I had an excuse. I had a door. I had a way out. I had a way out of committing to you. I had a way out to, to, to say, you know what? This is making me feel uncomfortable. I'm done. I can walk out now, you know, but I don't have to be a victim to do that. All I got to say is I don't like how this goes, you know? And, and so, you know, it, this platform that you have here to be able to have conversations like this is, is an extremely powerful thing, Alex. Thank you, man. And it's, it's important, you know, to, to, to me and, and I hope to, to, to a lot of the people who listen, because I think, you know, what we're really saying is that, you know, that, that divine part of yourself that you talk about is present in everyone. That is mental health. That is us. Uh, seeing that we're mentally healthy everything else outside of that is a is a is a created experience for for want of a better word and it's it's really powerful stuff because when you see it like that you realize like there isn't really anything to do to take care of it <laughs> you know it's ever it's ever present it's 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 eternal it's 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 divine it's innate within us and our only job in a way is to connect to that part of ourselves you know to 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 look inwards as as a lot of the you know uh spiritual teachers say across the years like look inwards and and find that place within yourself that's really our only job because when we see it even if it's just like a little glimpse of it it's like we see oh actually i am at peace (laughs) i am i am at peace i am mentally healthy i am mentally well 
and I think it's really powerful because it, it's it's such a game changer for a lot of people. Um, and I'm really like interested into like how, you know, the 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 kind of understanding of that kind of merges with your your reconnection in a way to to the indigenous cultures because i know like you said you, you more recently I, I don't know if you said it today or before or when we we spoke previously but like i know in more recent years you've been connecting further to you know the, the culture you said going on you know holding your own cer ceremonial circles and things like that um so i'd love i'd love to hear a bit more about like you know how the two those two worlds in a way even though they're probably the same thing <laughs> like a, a kind of merging for you there was a, something that came into my mind uh the other day and the word was walking ceremony and i thought about myself and and just like we were talking earlier on i am walking ceremony and and for me you sort of you sort of nailed it you know i mean it is one and the same thing so when i'm walking in ceremony i'm walking in community i'm walking in relationship i'm walking in spirit and we did a we did a ceremony on saturday night in a small town called fillmore saskatchewan and it was absolutely incredible. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I play the gongs. Um, I, use, I use song, drums, and conversation like this, and inquiry with people in the setting. And uh, one of the things that, I saw was like, there was, there was a family there that had three generations. So there was the father and the mother that were in their late seventies. There were the daughters of those parents. And then there were the, the kids of the parents, you know? So you have there's three generations of people being exposed to the ceremony that I was facilitating with my partner and another friend. And uh, here we have community. And we took all of the proceeds from that ceremony and we reinvest, reinvested back into the community. So the community can get sacred instruments for themselves and that they can carry on doing different elements of ceremony themselves. And I really, for me, like that, that is where my desire and my faith are in creating things now. You know, it's, it's taken a, it's taken quite a, it's taken quite a shift from where I was in, in 2016, you know, like when I look at, when I look at the element of ceremony and when I look at the element of traditional values and being a coach that brings traditional values into his practice. I look at community and relationships and I look at the service in that. I look at what people have as goals and I look at where they're standing 
now. And the distance between their goal and where they are now is filled with service. And that's what my traditional values have taught me is each community would serve on another community and that that this act of service was just always something that was ongoing. You got two people that get together that serve on each other. You don't see taking. And 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 in that whole process, I've I've come to see and be able to discern when someone wants to serve alongside me or if someone wants me to do something that I don't want to do. And I've come to see in my life, also through my traditional teachings, that I'm not going to do something that I don't want to do, even if it gets me what I want. You know, and that those awarenesses, you know, are for me are grounded in my nature. And that's that to me is what a traditional teaching is, you know, and... That to me in, in, in my traditional, because there's all forms of different types of niche initiations in my, in my tradition. But now in this part of my life, you know, my name is Justin James Sundance Robson. And the first part of my, my life, I was called Justin because my father and my mother knew that I would walk the white path and the red path because my mom is German Slavic and my father is a full-blooded Ojibwe Indian. And they said, well, let's give him a white name and let's give him a red name. First part of his life, he'll probably walk the white path. The next part of his life, he'll probably walk the red path. I wondered why he gave me the name Sundance. It's the most sacred dance in my, it's the most sacred dance of all in my tradition, in my, uh, in my culture. And that's the name he gave me. And you know, I, I like to think it's because he knew that I would have to find my way home without him in some ways, you know, and, uh, and I have, but I know he's there. And, uh, and so now I, I walk with the name Sundance and I also carry in my heart that I'm walking ceremony too, you know? And so, and this is that part of my life now in my tradition and in my culture where I start focusing on these, on some of these teachings and, and, and some of the, the lessons that life has taught me. And um, I take these experiences in my life and I use these experiences as a teaching for people so they can embody their own teachings and they can take these teachings to other people. It's amazing, man. Uh, I love that. Uh, I wrote it down, the I am walking ceremony because it's, I think, I think again, it, it, come, it comes to as a powerful reminder that like, you know, I'm walking ceremony, I'm walking creation, I'm walking, you know, spirit whatever you want to call it and there was something i wrote down actually during the um steve hardison event last week and i can't remember exactly what was said at the time but what i took from it was like life is it's like a dance and we we're the choreographer of that dance for ourselves we get to choose how we choreograph the dance that we that we that we dance the dance of life and that's so powerful because it's like, you know, that I'm walking ceremony is, is I'm, I'm walking dance, 
you know, and I, I get to choose how I choreograph that all the time. And it's like, again, it's just, it's a, it's a constant bringing back reconnection to the, well, I said, you know, the meaning behind those words, because it's not just the words, right? It's, it's the meaning that's behind the words, which is, which is what we're really talking about. It's bringing back to that divinity within all of us. Um, and I'd, I'd love to know, like you, you were talking about some of the kind of, um, traditional values that you 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 teach and that you live by now like i'd love to to hear what some of those traditional values are if they're i don't know if they're specific or if it's just a way of being but i'd love to to hear more about them one of the traditional values that um i think for me is i could spend a lot of time on <laughs> is honesty because the first part of my life was spent hiding everything and this part of my life is calling me to honesty. And that's been recovery for me in my life. That's, that's been what becomes my integrity in relationships. And, you know, when, when you live a life that you're brought up in being shameful for who you are. Um, it can be very easy to be dishonest about who you are, you know? And, and for me, I was always ashamed of who I was as a, as a young kid, because, you know, like the very first time when I walked into kindergarten, um, I saw my name Sundance written on a, on my little kindergarten box. And, um, the teacher said the name Sundance is going to be too hard for him to spell. So we should call him Justin. Right. And my dad was actually right, but there was already an identity crisis. And one of, you know, it's a question that it's a question that they ask. They, they, they teach that in indigenous social studies to social workers in university and in college. Um, you know, have you known an indigenous person that's been ashamed or had an identity crisis, right? And for me, I definitely had an identity crisis, right? Because, because who, who I was being created to be was someone that was ashamed of my name. But that meant the opposite for me then. That meant that what I had to do was hide who I was and be dishonest about who I was. So the path of relationship and honesty was something that I learned because in a relationship, I would just show up and try to hide who I was. But just like anything else, that was impossible. Women are very intuitive creatures, you know, and my partner, Karen, is a very intuitive creature. And she, I, I have done so much work with her. And she has been such an amazing support in my life. Because I've been able to walk honestly with who I am. 
and and everyone along the way has taught me a little bit about that. You know, my my relationships have always been pretty short. You know, I think they've mostly run about eight months, and and they've, there's been a lot of them. And uh, with my partner Karen, it's it's just different. You know, we've been to a, we've been together for a couple of years now, and she has been patience. She has been patience with me around honesty, and that has trickled into every facet of my life, and being able to show up honest in conversations with people. And um, because again, man, my, my first instinct is to run, you know? And so for me, man, honesty is, is one of the core values or one of the core teachings of my tradition. And uh, it's something that I hold true to my heart. And I know that it's a work that I will continue to work on for the rest of my life. Yeah, I think, but the honesty thing so it's it's so important i think you know one of one of the values that i try to live my life by is like to 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 be my word like that that's that's honesty it's like you know if i if i say that i'm going to do something or that i'm going to be somewhere or that i commit to something for myself it's like be my word and and do that thing that you've you've said you're going to do because there's a uh, a level of honesty that comes with that and i think it 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 raises your um it raises your sense of 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 integrity in a way you know and i think that's like with what you're saying being on, being honest and authentic to who you are regardless of the situation regardless of who you're with regardless of anything like that it's it's really important because otherwise we we do we do suffer from that uh, identity crisis and again i could look at my own life like when i was very you know depressed in my life it was because there was probably an identity crisis of sorts right i was trying to be someone that i thought i had to be to please other people and i wasn't being authentic to myself and and therefore there was conflict within me because i was want i was you know wanting something different other than what i you know truly maybe believed i was deep down or whatever and it creates it creates conflict and i think it's, it's the authenticity slash honesty is, is probably the greatest um value that anyone can have in their life being authentic to you being honest to 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 who to, about and to who you are and being honest with with your word and like really meaning your word like I think, you know, if, if if most of the world was like that, we'd probably live in a uh, a more pleasant <laughs> a more pleasant world in in some ways, you know. And Absolutely, I, uh, you know, I've spent I spent a lot of time with this this thing called honesty, and um, <laughs> you know, I've I've even I've even looked at it from the perspective of sharing honestly from my heart when I'm not feeling that good. And it has taken a toll on my relationship because I ended up saying a bunch of shit that wasn't true. Just because I was firing off in my emotions. You know? And so that's that other part of that honesty where it's like, okay, like if I don't like what I'm feeling right now, you know, and I, 
I've just, I'm in total disagreement with what this person is saying. And it's frustrating me. You know, first of all, I know I'm creating that, but it might not seem like that in real time. It might not seem like that in real time. So I've been able to give myself space in those moments, right? I've been able to forgive myself in those moments. That's that's sort of what's happened when I like, and this is why for me, there's so many, like I, when I peer into the, the looking glass of honesty, it has these depths to it of where it's like, okay, yeah, like I'm honestly not enjoying this. But all of the thinking that I have going around not enjoying this and all of the conclusions that my mind is now creating, I don't need to share with this person. <laughs> I don't have to say, I don't need to do this. I don't need to bring down the tower right now. I can like, I can be honest and say, I'm having a hard time with what I'm experiencing. I need a couple of minutes. Mm. I might need to talk to you tomorrow. I need you to respect that. That's what I need from you. And I, I, I can show up in that honesty too. And then when I come back, I can be honest from a whole nother dimension. You know, I can be honesty from a place of patience and understanding. And then I can really create something good from my own misunderstandings. You know, anytime I've ever been resented, every time I've ever like felt resentment towards someone, I've always played a part in that, you know, and that's, I've, I've, I've felt the, I've felt how that has affected my mental health. You know, I, I've heard an old statement, uh, a quote that has stuck to me over the years. Um, I think it was actually by a British prime minister that said, um, they were arguing in the house of commons and the, this guy said, um, if, if I was your husband, I would put poison in your tea. And she said, if you were my husband, I would drink the tea. And, um, a resentment is like putting poison in the tea and drinking it yourself, you know, and, 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 and waiting for the other person to die. Because it's, it's like, it's, it's a very impossible situation. And that's why for me, forgiveness is such an important thing. And I, I don't, forgiveness is also a very funny thing because there's been moments in my life where I've, I felt very resentful towards people, you know, in my earlier part of life. And I, I remember, you know, particularly this relationship that I was in and, and we didn't end on really good terms. And, and I remember seeing her a few years later at a wedding. And when I saw her, I was, I was like really happy to see her. And I saw her for the mother that she was. I saw her for um, the person that she was becoming in business and in her career and that she was someone that had come through great obstacles in her life to be who she is. And I remember just seeing her that way. And then I remember coming away from that whole situation and thinking, at what point did forgiveness happen? Because I just experienced forgiveness with her, but I don't ever really remember like trying to formalize it, you know? And, and I also notice that with, when it comes to letting go of things in our lives and, and, and 
certain surrenders. And we can surrender in a moment and we can say that, yeah, I want to let go of this and I want to let go of that. This instant happened. I'd really like to let go of that. But there's really no guarantee that that's going to happen in that moment. And sometimes it's just something that we experience over a period of time. You know, there's not necessarily any action that we can do to do it. It's just a way of being that occurs at a moment when we're not aware. Yeah, do you know, I was um, I was listening to a, a Sid Banks talk. Um, I'm just trying to see if I've got it written down in front of me, and he was talking about forgiveness, and uh, see if I can find out. I, I want to share it. So it's kind of what you're saying, right? It's like when you're when you're when you have that level of like hostility or resentment towards someone, it's like drinking the tea and with poison and expecting them to die. It's like you're the only one who suffers. Um, and he says, uh, here we go. He said, to forgive and forget are the same thing. If you forget, you've already forgiven. If you have animosity towards someone, you are the one who will suffer. You will carry around the feelings of hate, anger, and hostility. You walk around with those feelings and you will see life through those feelings. You won't see life through clarity because you will be full of hostility. If you learn to forgive, it clears your mind. You will have nothing to bother you and you will see life as it is. And this is where the feeling of love comes in. If you rid yourself of all of those horrible feelings. I, I listened to that back, like I rewound it a couple times just to listen to that part again and again. And I wrote it down because I, I really wanted to sit with it. So I was like, it's so powerful what he's saying. It's like when we're carrying hostility or frustration or anger towards another person, it's only us that suffers internally. We we have the conflict internally. And then we, we experience, you know, that person or the world around us through that feeling of hostility, through that conflict that we have. Because if we learn to forgive and forget, that all of those feelings fall away. And, and the only thing that we're left with is, is love. And it's so powerful because from that place you can then, like you said, you can then share in a different way. You're not sharing through hostility or, or conflict or frustration or anger or hate. You're sharing from, you know, love and and peace and, a, and, a, and a, I guess an honesty with that, you know. And to me that was like, yeah, just it's a really powerful uh, insight from him. Um but yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at the time and seeing that we're uh, <laughs> we're, we're coming we're coming up to to, to wrapping up. So um, I just I, just wondering, is there anything else that you'd you'd like to share with the people who are listening, or anything else that's that's come to you during this conversation that you want to share as some final words? Um, I just wanted to share what you shared with Sid Banks in relationship to my father and the healing process, because even if there's someone out there that they had resentments against that have passed on and they're still carrying all of this unforgiveness, there was moments with my father that were good, really good. And you just read something from Sid Banks and Sid Banks is, is long gone, man. He passed on a while ago. But what you shared with us that he wrote won't, won't die. That's what lives. And the spirit of that is what lives. And the spirit of my father and those moments that 
were amazing with him, that part of him won't die. All that other shit does, and I'm, I'm okay with that. And for me, life isn't always supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be meaningful, you know? And so from this, I have meaning, man. And uh, it's been a blessing to be on this podcast with you. Uh, it's been an honor. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you again in person in, uh, in October. Um, and uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can get a hold of us. Uh, you can get a hold of me right on Facebook or Instagram, Sundance Robson on both Sundance Robson Facebook, Sundance Robson Instagram. And uh, you will be able to find us on our website at sacredcompassjourney.com. Uh, that's being restructured here right now. So that's how you can get a hold of us. Sundance, man. I really want to appreciate you for taking the time out and, and joining me today and for sharing such amazing insights, man. I think it's been really powerful to hear some of your experience and, and, and how you've really overcome certain things. And it's a huge testament to you, man. Like there, there's, I'm even sensing a shift in you since when we were hanging out in November. Like there's, there's something different about you and it, it really goes to show, you know, the that's not, not through anything that you're doing it specifically but like it's the way that you're creating yourself now and how you're sharing that with the world man and i really want to acknowledge you and shine a light on that because i think it's, it's super powerful and that there's a big learning for everyone in that as well man so yeah man it's, it's been a real honor today and, and yeah i just want to thank you again absolutely brother that sign says it all live in the moment that's what we got we got moment to moment for sure so i hope you enjoyed this episode and i would love to know what you got from it like what was the most standout part to this conversation for you what was the biggest learning you're taking away from listening to this to let me know just hit me up on instagram at i am alex manzi and if you know someone who you think would benefit from hearing this then be sure to send them the link because it's very important that we continue to spread the messages and positive vibes of episodes like this you know i started this podcast to help inspire a positive change in people and you can also be a part of that by sharing it with someone you know today. I want to thank Michaela Atsu for producing and editing this episode and to Hobgoblin for providing the sick music that you hear. And as always, I want to thank you for taking the time and listening today and I will see you for the next episode.